0: I'm Rose Skeeters, host of From Borderline to Beautiful, a show about hope and recovery for BPD. Hello, and welcome to another episode of From Borderline to Beautiful. Today, we are going to talk about the subtypes and types of borderline personality disorder. First, I think it's really important that when I start off in talking about this we go back and revisit or even just review the diagnostic criteria for having borderline personality disorder. So borderline personality disorder is characterized by a pervasive pattern of instability of interpersonal relationships, self-image and affects, and marked impulsivity beginning by early adulthood and present in a variety of contexts. texts as indicated by five or more of the following. So clearly I'm reading this. If you want to read it for yourself, you can check it out at borderlinepersonalitydisorder.org, or you can consult your DSM-5, which is the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. All right, so let's look at these nine criteria. Number one, fear of abandonment. Two, unstable or changing relationships. Three, Unstable self-image, struggles with identity or sense of self. Four, impulsive or self-damaging behaviors like excessive spending, unsafe sex, substance abuse, reckless driving, binge eating. Five, suicidal behavior or self-injury. Six, varied or random mood swings. Seven, constant feelings of worthlessness or sadness. Eight. Problems with anger, including frequent loss of temper, physical fights, nine, stress-related paranoia, or loss of contact with reality. Okay, so those are the nine um, criteria that we're looking at when we talk about where these types and subtypes came from. So... (laughs) From all of those traits, those nine traits or those nine criteria, researchers have found, get this, 256 possible combinations of criteria and every single one of those combinations may yield the same diagnosis, 256 possible combinations. So what does this mean? what it means is that two people with a borderline personality disorder diagnosis may only have one diagnostic criteria in common. In other words, individual differences and different presentations and experiences of the disorder make it difficult to categorize, diagnose, treat, And even identify with other people that have BPD. So it makes it difficult for us to identify with other people that have the same diagnosis because it might present or look differently. I'm sure many of you relate to some things I say, and maybe other things I say are unrelatable or not as relatable. Maybe you relate to me at some points, and at others, you don't. Or in certain relationships or certain situations. Maybe your self-harm isn't cutting or burning, but you tend to isolate yourself as a form of self-punishment after an episode. So the criteria looks different for different people and exists in different combinations for different people in different ways and scenarios and even different relationships in the same person. Wow. That's a mouthful. That's a lot, right? So all of these differences in severity and presence matters. Why? Well, it matters first and foremost to clinicians, researchers, like AKA psychologists, psychiatrists, and the like, medical professionals. Because in order for them to help us, they need to classify and categorize us to theorize the issue, prescribe meds if need be, tell the insurance companies why the company needs to pay them for them to help us and why the treatment they offer is worth that cost and for the clinician to create what we call a case conceptualization and a treatment plan. A case conceptualization is just all of the information that we have about an individual and a theory or an idea of how their presenting problem developed across their lifetime with the information that we have. And the treatment plan is based on the client goals and the clinician goals for that client. So as you can see, like everything else in life, think about the bad day formula episode from season one or the damage control episode, or the damage control formula, excuse me, episode from season one, there are formulas that professionals create and follow in an attempt to provide the most accurate and consistent level of care. Ideally, these categories would prevent misdiagnosis, but With 256 combinations and presentations and severities, different things of the same disorder, it's hard. It's a hard thing for the medical community to do to accurately diagnose, treat individuals with borderline personality disorder. So there are theories about types of BPD, and these theories stem from this attempt to be more accurate to really narrow things down. So the theories include types of BPD, whether or not BPD exists on a spectrum. People are even debating, as we talked about in previous episodes, the existence or the non-existence of the diagnosis as it relates to trauma and whether or not, because of the perceived trauma and experienced trauma of the individual, maybe the diagnosis doesn't make any sense at all. Some people say that. Then other people take types of BPD and they break those types down into subtypes and they change the subtypes across different age groups. So it's, it can all be very confusing, but I hope you understand why this occurs. Why are they taking borderline personality disorder and breaking it into types and subtypes and who are the they? So researchers are doing this because they've created these theories, And the theories that they're creating are an attempt to really try to understand us, our community, and to really help us better. But before I keep going, please remember that a theory is not a fact. A theory is by definition a supposition or a system of ideas intended to explain something. A theory is only fact until there's enough evidence you know, studied and researched over time for that evidence to become fact, right? So the subtypes are theories. In order to explain all of these combinations, types and subtypes of the enigma of BPD, all the theories were created. So let's say you do a quick Google search you'll find that the things that pop up the most or the information, excuse me, that pops up the most is that there are four subtypes of BPD. But that's only one individual's theory, just one person. So the question I was asked and the reason why I want to do this episode is because I know one, a lot of people question, hey, do I even have BPD? Some of this sounds like me, some of this doesn't. Um, and another reason is because a listener asked me to go over the subtypes of BPD. So I really believe that you guys deserve to have all of the information. So what I want you to understand is that when you Google and you look at those four subtypes of BPD, the petulant, discouraged, impulsive, self-destructive types of BPD. That's only one guy's theory. So get this, more than one researcher or research team came up with a theory of subtypes. There are actually anywhere from two to four subtypes, depending on what theory you go with. So I'm going to tell you some of these theorists, the names of them and their teams, and what they believe in terms of categorization. And then we can get into those four popular ones. But I really want you to get an idea of what people are saying and the other theories that people have. Because Google can't be our main source of information. Really, the research has to do that for us. So before I go on, I may not pronounce these individuals' names correctly. So the first individual, his name is... Leihiner. It's L-E-I-H-E-N-E-R. So Lieheimer and his team found two distinct subtypes and they based those subtypes on interpersonal functioning. Those two subtypes are autonomous and independent. Excuse me, autonomous and dependent. (laughs) Salzar and his team differentiated five subtypes. Vindictive, Moderate, submissive, non-assertive, exploitable, and socially avoidant. Reading that felt really uncomfortable, I have to admit. So we'll talk about that. I'll I'll address that in a minute. Zittel, Z-I-T-T-E-L, and his team identified three subtypes defined as internalizing dysregulated, externalizing, dysregulated, and histrionic impulsive based on the perception of clinicians who were treating individuals with BPD. And get this, those same researchers, that team, they found different subtypes in an adolescent population, four subtypes in adolescents, high-functioning internalizing, histrionic, depressive internalizing, and angry externalizing. Digree, D-I-G-R-E, and his team found three subtypes by means of a two-step cluster analysis. So they found, they did an analysis of clinical and psychological variables, and they found that there were withdrawn internalizing types, severely disturbed internalizing types, and anxious externalizing types. Lenz and Wigger and team found that he agreed with Kernberger and team. And Kernberger and Ludzenberger and their team, they separated the individuals with borderline personality disorder into groups. The first group was characterized by low levels of antisocial, paranoid, and aggressive features. And the second group by elevated paranoid features. And the third by elevated antisocial and aggressive features. Critchfield and his team, they did a different kind of analysis called a Q-factor analysis, and they found three subtypes. Those with cluster A traits and cluster B traits and then cluster C traits. Hallquest found four subtypes, and he found that they differed in terms of anger, aggressiveness, and antisocial behavior and mistrustfulness. So the types that they came up with were angry and aggressive with high levels of aggression and antisocial behavior, angry and mistrust with concerns about being harmed or exploited. In in addition to that, there would be inappropriate anger, poor identity, and then a prototypical type. This is a lot. As I'm reading it, I'm like, oh my goodness, this is intense. <laughs> so I just have to say that. I do. I experience that. So if you're listening, and you're like, wow, this is a lot to wrap my mind around. I agree. So I looked into it more because I admit to you, I did not know that there were that many theories, that many research teams that have broken down BPD into all of these different subtypes. So I looked further into it, and I found that there's this woman named Dr. Christine Lawson who wrote a book called Understanding the Borderline Mother, and she describes four subtypes of mothers with BPD. These also made me feel really uncomfortable. The waif, which is helpless, the hermit, which is fearful avoidant, the queen, controlling, and the witch, sadistic. So aside from what you find when you're just looking at um, borderline personality disorder and the four types by, that was developed by Theodore Millen, there are a lot of other theories from a lot of other research teams, and all of them are trying to explain what we go through and narrow it down to provide more accurate treatment and to really provide more accurate identification and so that we can get the best care. But it's just a lot of labels and it's a lot of information. So before I go on to talk about the, the four main um, subtypes of BPD that are the most popular, I would say, that really the question was based on, I hope that you realize from the first segment of this episode that a theory isn't a fact, one, and two, we can categorize and label things all day. I could take anything and break it up into different categories and different, you know, labels. Like, I mean, just look at your utensil drawer. You have forks and spoons, big forks, little forks, cake forks, salad forks. So I just want you to be careful in your education that you don't take yourself and put yourself in another subtype in another category because what I come to find is that many people with BPD are looking for identity, right? I mean, I know I was. I was definitely looking for something to define me. And so in my frantic search, For my identity, I would cling to these labels and to these subtypes and types. And, you know, I was trying to find something relatable, kind of like why a lot of you listen to this podcast. So I just want you to separate yourself from the label, see what's relatable and use all of this information to guide what you're telling your coach what you're telling your clinician. Because the most accurate information that you can provide to the people that are on your team, your family members, whatever that support team looks like, that is going to be what guides how they help you. And people with borderline personality disorder, the one thing that all theorists agree on, all the researchers agree on, is that we have poor boundaries, fluid boundaries. So even though you may be considered, I don't know, moderate, submissive at one point in your life or in one um, relationship or maybe quiet BPD in one situation and, you know, aggressive or externalizing BPD in another situation, it is possible for you to have fluid boundaries even across types and subtypes of borderline personality disorder. All right, so I'm going to pause there and then we'll get into talking about those four common subtypes of BPD that you can find from Theodore Millen. Are you currently struggling to stay afloat? Are you looking for more one on one support and guidance on your recovery journey? check out ThriveOnlineCounseling.com. We offer mindset coaching that will propel your recovery journey forward. We help frustrated individuals, resentful couples, and disconnected families navigate through tough times. Have phone, video, or text sessions wherever you are. The best part? You can schedule right from our website. Choose the day and time that works best for you. Life can be better. We can help. Make an investment in yourself. You are worth it. All right, so let's get into Theodore Millen. He is a noted psychologist and an author, and he published a book. And in that book, he defined what he believed are four distinct subtypes of borderline personality disorder. They include impulsive borderline, petulant borderline, discouraged borderline, self-destructive borderline. So what I want you to remember is that all of these can occur in different people and you can have bits and pieces of all of them because like I had said in the previous segment, they're just attempts to explain our behavior to better help understand us and for us to understand ourselves. So I'll review what each of these are. Impulsive borderline. So the impulsive borderline is exactly what it says, right? That's what the name implies. It's somebody who is energetic and charismatic at times, cold and hostile at other times, and someone whose lack of impulse control is probably the primary or the major symptom of the BPD cluster of symptoms. So people who are said to have more impulsive borderline personality disorder are prone to like self-mutilation Suicidal behavior it says that they are quick to anger and they engage in reckless behavior and thrill seeking activities. So if we look at, I will use my journey and kind of see um, show you how my behavior across my life span or lifetime thus far has moved from one category to another as I'm describing these different types. So for impulsive borderline. Um, when I was in college, it was incredibly prevalent in my life, lack of impulse control. But I will say that being impulsive is something that I had held on to as a um, symptom, you know, until I had started my recovery journey prior to recording this podcast. So for me, I wouldn't say that I categorize my old self as someone who was an impulsive borderline. There were times where my impulsivity was a lot higher than other times. So, like when I was in college, engaging in, um, you know gosh, risk-taking behaviors like walking in a un, in an unsafe area of the city, and you know, at in inappropriate times of the evening, for example, without any you know, a way to protect myself, that would be what I consider to be impulsive, or, you know, just leaving the house, leaving my dorm and driving south, or (laughs) adopting a cat from the SPCA to keep in my dorm room, like, what? Things like that. So impulsive. The next category is the petulant borderline. The petulant borderline is also sometimes referred to as the angry subtype. So people who are petulant can go back and forth between feeling unworthy and then feeling explosive anger. They can be fearful, anxious, possessive, controlling, and jealous. Petulant borderlines, like anyone who has borderline personality disorder, fear rejection and abandonment. And they go back and forth between... Their need to be independent and their need to rely on other people. It says in this categorization that people with petulant borderline have tendencies to develop substance abuse issues or eating disorder issues in attempt to, like, kind of combat the irritability that comes along with this anger. And it's, you know, also an attempt of at substance abuse and the eating disorder for someone who's in this petulant category can be attempts to self-soothe. So for me, again, if I look at my own journey, I think, gosh, well, hmm, am I maybe petulant? Because during those college years, round about the time where I adopted a cat impulsively in my dorm room, I was also admitted into a residential treatment facility for having an eating disorder, In terms of substance abuse, you know, I definitely was one to not say no to anything that was offered to me. And so those are very impulsive behaviors, too. So as you can see, there's some overlap, a lot of overlap. The discouraged borderline is often thought of as the quiet BPD. So people look at someone who's more in this discouraged or quiet BPD category and they see them as dependent and clingy and passive and reliant on others. So people with discouraged borderline versus the petulant borderline, they turn all of that anger, anger inward and they have episodes of self-mutilation and suicidal behavior There's also, you know, deep feelings of emptiness, and they don't want to be alone. And so being alone can be really difficult and exacerbates the, you know, borderline symptoms. So again, you have this impulsive borderline presentation, and it's said that, you know, being this subtype of impulsive borderline, you're going to be prone to self-mutilation and suicidal behavior. So that same thing is true in the discouraged borderline right? There's overlap there. I will say, and I think I answered a question on a a previous episode about this, is that there is a tendency for an individual on the borderline personality disorder spectrum to have both or all three of these so far, these subtypes. I know for myself, when I was feeling really hurt, I would retreat inside and I would engage in you know suicidal behavior which would be like self-mutilation cutting when I was feeling like completely alone and no one can help me but when I was in you know more impulsive moments of my life I might also have been abrasive and you know attacked and did things outwardly and that could exist for me hour by hour day by day. On a Monday, I could wake up, be really happy, impulsive, the sun's shining, I'm, you know, adopting animals and driving to different cities on whims and skipping class, and then on a Tuesday, my friend could have said something that hurt my feelings, or someone could have looked at me and made me feel like, you know, reinforced that I'm ugly, or I could feel bloated and feel ugly and attach ugly to self-worth, and then I could go into that discouraged place um, and then, in terms of the petulant borderline, I can kind of go into that. maybe later on in the door in the day, excuse me, when I start engaging in those eating disorder behaviors. So as you can see, maybe there isn't a one size fits- all model, or maybe you can see that you have more of one subtype, and that helps you feel like, okay, yes, like I belong here in in this spectrum of having borderline personality disorder let's go to the last one the last subtype is called self-destructive borderline all right as the name implies being self-destructive then somebody in this category has like intense feelings of bitterness and self-hatred which leads them to self-destructive behavior they're attention-seeking high strong moody and they also engage in the self-injurious behavior. So it could be this set risky sexual behavior like being promiscuous, eating disorders, things like that. So I really hope that me explaining some of those categories helps you come to several different conclusions. Conclusion one is that you can have more of one criteria and then therefore fit into a subtype. So maybe you're more often angry outwardly angry outwardly aggressive and then you so you put yourself in that category of being a quote-unquote petulant borderline or maybe you feel like I really have this quiet BPD I feel like I suffer alone and I really take everything out on myself and I'm I feel empty and I feel codependent and I'm more passive and I turn my feelings of anger inward and I engage in this like kind of roller coaster that other people can't see so if that's you and you don't go in between these other categories or at least from discouraged to petulant it's it is important that you know that about yourself so that you can let your clinician know and you can bring this to the table to them and say hey you know I think that maybe i misdiagnosed or maybe this is going on with me so rather than using the subtype or the type or even the you know label of BPD or whatever other label that you know you find fits for you rather than using that to define who you are use that label to look at the dysfunction that's occurring in your life the problems that are occurring in your life and then look at who you want to become so label yourself as the person you want to become, not as the type or the subtype. I mean, it's a a subtle distinction, right? I mean, right? So it's like, okay, well, so I have petulant BPD or quiet BPD or aggressive BPD, you know, and All you're saying is you want me to look at, you know, like who I want to become. So what's the difference in terms of labels? I just think that there's a a big difference, especially for the BPD brain, because we just tend to hold on to these like little micros, right? We hold on to snippets of conversations, of words, of, you know, just like um, evidence that confirms the negativity that our brain already holds. I can think of song lyrics. That I would replay in my head over and over and over again, like a a little phrase that I would hear. And that phrase would become like this huge, powerful, sort of dramatic um, confirmation for my, my life's narrative. Which you know, I wish that that was. Um, I wish that that wasn't true, but it totally was. I was very hyperbolic, and I know many of you out there will latch on to little things versus being able to sort of pan out like a drone and look at your whole life. You know, so the language that we use, especially as we walk through this recovery journey, is key to our self-esteem, our self-confidence, to how we shape and shift our perspective on our journey. So absolutely go out there and figure out what are all these subtypes? What does this mean? Which category do I fit in? Bring it to your support team, your provider. Let them know how you feel because you know what's in your head. You know what you need. So if you think that you have BPD, quiet BPD, and your provider says you don't, you disagree. Don't allow someone to do that to you. Go and find someone who will try to see it from your perspective. Right. Um, and also, like I was saying, you, you definitely want to take that as information. It's just information. This is these are the constellations of dysfunctional behavior, you know, that, that I engage in or this is the constellation, excuse me, of dysfunctional behavior that I engage in. And I have these little subtypes here that help me see that yeah, you know what I actually am on this spectrum, even though it doesn't look like maybe, you know, another person I knew or like my clinician describes it to me, I do have it and this is why. Take that. Separate yourself from it and start walking on the path to who you're becoming because that is just so much more hopeful, you know, and I also say that as, you know, just my from someone who recovered to, you know, an audience of people, you know, that I know want to be in that position or want that help because I made that mistake. I made the mistake of being my label. I was an eating disorder. That was it. And everything that I did was identified with that, you know, I had been in a residential treatment facility for eating disorders, like I said. So then when I was out of that center, I was like knitting, right, and making bracelets and having journals and listening to music and rocking back and forth. That was my identity. I had an eating disorder. I had books about eating disorders. I had, uh, you know, called my eating disorder a name. I had separated from myself, like that's what it was. I read books about women who had eating disorders. I just started to make that the thing that I was, you know. So what I'm saying is, is if you have quiet BPD or any of these other subtypes of BPD, use it as information. Separate yourself from it, and then. Start your journey on working through it versus becoming it. Very, very important that you work through it and you don't try to become it because it just takes out so much hope. I feel like being a label sucks so much hope out of you. So they are important and I don't want to discount that, but I also want you to know that you are more than a label. You are more than a subtype. You are more than a type. You are more than a category. And at your core All of you are good people. You are good people. That's why I do what I do, because I know it. And I want you to believe in yourself and just believe that inside of you, you're a good person. And just because someone created types and subtypes and there's labels that help categorize you, it doesn't mean that that's who you are. There is hope for you. If you need help on your recovery journey, we would love to help you. Reach out to us thriveonlinecounseling.com you can work with me you can work with jay give us a call 8449 thrive or send us an email rose at thriveonlinecounseling.com or jay at thriveonlinecounseling.com thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next week for another episode of from borderline to beautiful Okay, thanks for listening. That was from Borderline and Beautiful, a production of Thrive Mind Body LLC, online coaching that helps frustrated individuals, resentful couples, and disconnected families navigate through tough times. Visit us on the web at ThriveOnlineCounseling.com. If you like this show, remember you can hear it on Anchor or Apple Podcasts or Pocket Cast or any app that you use to listen to podcasts. Subscribe to get a new episode every Monday.